Hey everybody, welcome to the Child Whisperer podcast. I'm your host, Carol Tuttle, the author of the best-selling book, The Child Whisperer, and I'm here for you today to help you raise happy, successful, and cooperative children, because it is my innate belief that all children want to be happy, they're born to be happy, they're born wanting to be cooperative, and they're born with all the operating systems to be successful, so I think it's quite a phenomenon that somehow we think we lack all of that or that children have to be disciplined into that. So my parenting approach is very intuitively based and it also operates from my model of energy profiling, understanding the four types of children. And so my phone lines are open at 347-677-1963 to talk to you today, to take your calls and to help you create those, support those children in their natural creation of being happy cooperative and successful. I also have a giveaway for today. This just came to me in the mail. For eight years running, I've been a um, guest headliner for the Tapping World Summit, and they graciously gift me with the multimedia package of the recording of the entire summit. They send that to me in the mail, and I'm happy to say that came to me. Here it is. This is it, and I give it away every year because I have the um, great benefit of knowing a lot of these authors' works and being blessed by them, and I want to share it with you. So if you call into today's show at 347-677-1963, you could be the lucky winner. It also comes with this wonderful book, The Tapping Solution. So call in and win today. Today's success story comes from a type 4 mom. She writes, hi, I'm a type 4 mom of a type three five-year-old. A few weeks ago on the podcast, you told another type, another type four mom of a type three preschooler to give them choices instead of just telling them no and blocking them. The other day, my son wanted to watch TV and I thought he'd had enough TV for the day. So instead of telling him no, I said, you may go outside and play or go in your room and play Legos. He was still grumpy and ignored me, asking again to watch TV. And I said, if you don't choose between outside and Legos quickly, I will choose for you. And he shouted, Legos, and ran to his room. He played there happily for quite some time. Thanks for that awesome type three tip. You are welcome, and thank you for your success story. Um, You can listen to that previously recorded show where I give that feedback to a type four mom and how type three energy does not like to be stopped in its tracks, that it needs to be rerouted, diverted, and sent on another path. And when you take a choice away from a type three, that's even a, you know, bigger sacrifice where that whole setup was perfect and there was no discipline needed, no grumpy child to deal with, just another action provided and another choice being given. So good for you to apply that. Today's show is on how to take the struggle out of chores. Now, this is good for everybody, not even, it's good for all of us, because we all were raised in the culture of struggle. So when I say the word chore, what, how do you, what do you think and what do you feel? Do you think, yes, oh boy, are you compelled towards it? Are you invited in? Is it a feeling of, oh, I can't wait? Or is there a repelling effect of, this isn't enjoyable, I don't want to do it, this isn't isn't supportive to my well-being, you know, it's it's not something I want to do, it's something I have to do. So it's sort of framed in the I have to, I should do, and not that it's just something to do, see? So 
I'm not suggesting that we make choices. It's not going to be like going on vacation to this amazing place in the world that you've been looking forward to your whole life. But what I want to help you today do is bring the experience of choice to a point of neutral. A neutral experience so that you can create a more positive experience based on your type. And so this energetic shift that we're going through, which is the energy of pain and struggle being that we're being given a choice in all things, in all things human, all things in life to now create more joy and ease. So in the past, parenting has been a really coming from a place of it's a struggle, do what I say because I'm a parent, you need things to be hard to grow, no pain, no gain. And we parent, you know, most of us that are adults were parented from this energy. Our parents played from this energy in their parenting role. And so chores became this sort of um, something we were taught that we have to do around the no pain, no gain in theory, um, no pain, no gain theory of life. And so we then present this in our families as, well, it's just something you have to do. And children tend to complain then because it feels oppressive. We complain about what feels uncomfortable and what we feel oppressed by. And so if we can neutralize the experience of chores, whether it's in teaching our children the experience of chores or in our own application of this as adults, because there's a lot of adults that refrain from taking care of their environments or don't do them in a way that's the most supportive so they let things go or they neglect things because it feels oppressive to main, to do things that are repetitive that fall into the category of chores. Because chores basically are repeated, repeated tasks that help us maintain organized, clean, healthy environments. It's what we do. It, to me, it's like you shower every day, you brush your teeth, you learn personal hygiene, so hygiene for your environment, hygiene for your home. That's what chores are. They help you maintain this outcome. Now, take an evaluation. Are your family running the energy of pain and struggle versus the ease, ease and joy experience of chores? Does everybody complain? Do you get met with complaints more than you get with cooperation? Is it hard to get your children motivated to do that? Do you have to threaten, discipline? Are you constantly having to give rewards? Do they resist chores until you threaten or yell at them? You really, you know, put your foot down. You really get to break the big guns out. Is it repeat, a repeated struggle um, versus is it organized? Does it happen sort of automatically? Do you have a system in place that allows it to just kind of run on autopilot with chore boards or chore charts and People just know. They know it's expected. They follow through because it's just a function of maintaining your home. And then how do you speak about this experience of chores? You know, even in your day-to-day -day conversation between parent to parent, how are you speaking about chores? Are you, you know, putting a lot of struggle language on them, a lot of oppressed language on them? Or is it just something you do in life? See, I want to help you get to the place where it's just something you do and you just do it because it's neutral. You don't have to be in this conflict with it, and you can teach your children this. So we're going to not go for it's a lot of fun. We're not going to go for it's horrible. We're going to go for in the middle and go to neutral. So if you said yes to most of those questions, then you're in the experience of pain and struggle. So let's shift that now to taking the struggle away. So the first step is 
to change the energy around chores from the energy of you have to do this to we get to do this, we choose to do this. We tend to teach our children that chores are not fun and that makes trying to get, you know, any of your type children resist them. And I'm going to follow the next four weeks with a key tip for each of the four types that's going to up-level their experience with chores so that it's engaging and they're even more cooperative. But we have to start with this kind of base information in order to establish that energy needs to be neutralized. So start to teach your children that things, chores are just things we do in our home. Chores are something we get to do to take care of our home, to show appreciation for all that we've been blessed with. Chores are what we do because we care about what we have. We care that we own these things. And you start to now do it in a, so the act of a chore, which again is a function of taking care of the things you own in the space you live in, uh, repeated tasks, you do it because you appreciate. You do it out of the act of appreciation. I'm so grateful I get to even do this chore because I, I recognize that I have this blessing, this benefit in my life. So you turn it into a gratitude experience rather than an oppressed experience. Then the next step in your invite is to create an environment where chores can be easily done. And this looks like cleaning up, decluttering, getting rid of stuff. I recently at a club night, um, Dressing Your Truth Club Night uh, last year, I referenced Marie Kondo's book. I'm a real big fan of this book. It's called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. Uh, if you've got more than you can you know, if it's hard to maintain a clean, tidy, organized environment in your home, consider the possibility you just have too much in your home and you need to read this book. I'll provide a link to the club night in my um, actual post when this podcast goes on the Child Whisper blog. For that club night, then we'll also include a link to the book. This is a game changer. It was for me personally, and I can see if a parent applies this to their whole family system of maintaining their family environment. This is gonna be a real asset to be able to now, after you've decluttered, once you've tidied up, you've changed your environment, being able to take care of your environment and the tasks that create what we call chores can more successfully be followed through on. And you can have this really wonderful, clean, organized, tidy home environment that everybody benefits from. We just are energetically more balanced on all levels when we have organized, tidy, clean space that we exist in. And your children then can thrive in their approach to chores, which I'm going to follow up with the next four weeks. I'm going to be focusing on each of the four types and how they do chores. And I see somebody in my Facebook comment saying the fly lady is great as well. Well, the fly lady is a type one energy. She is a type one nature. And her approach is very um, much allows a type one mom and type one children to be successful in maintenance. It's not a, it wouldn't appeal to me, quite honestly. I'm a different type. So I find a different approach that would create success. But look forward to the next four podcasts to be specific to your four types children. And Tips to, and it's going to help you as a parent because you're going to apply this same tip that I'll teach in the next four weeks that will allow you to approach your management of your home space and the active chores more successfully. And if you're positive about it, 
not falsely positive. Kids get it when you're faking it. Yeah, we love, this is fun. You should appreciate doing these chores. They know when we're faking it. So you really want to get into the energy of appreciation. So listen to my little spiel here, the first 10 minutes of how to shift from struggle and oppression to joy and ease and appreciation in the active chores. I'm doing that myself. I'm applying what I'm teaching this week in my own. If I don't feel like emptying the dishwasher, I'm doing it from a place of gratitude to say, I'm just grateful I have these dishes. The convenience this allows me to be able to eat on this dishware and where did I buy it? What does it remind me of? I have these plates I love that came from New York City. I hand carried them from New York and I can think of that, that trip and how much I appreciate that dinnerware. So there's a lot of ways to create appreciation in your chore experience. I'm going to sign off on Facebook. I have a giveaway if you're the first caller. I've got the phone lines open. You can see the number in the Facebook copy and the link to continue listening to today's show. I've got some great questions that came in. And these questions, the first one is from a type 1 mom with a type 1 11-year-old son that recently got an email from his son's teacher telling us he had not completed any math assignments for the third quarter, an entire quarter. What can I help them with with this? So tune in. Join me. Uh, continue listening on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Carol Tuttle. Goodbye to my Facebook fans. Thanks for tuning in. Now, the... The question, I'm going to start with this email question since it's right in front of me. Then I'll go to my switchboard, see if we've got our callers coming in here. Yeah. Type 1 mom, she says, I, I'm a type 1 mom with a type 1 11-year-old son. I recently got an email from my son's teacher telling us he had not completed any, completed any math assignments for the third quarter. He loves math, and he's very good at it. So we were very surprised. When we asked him about it, he said that his math assignments are not fun, and he doesn't want to do them. He uses this excuse with chores as well. How can I help him complete tasks he's decided are not fun? Well, I'm going to give you the real kind of lowdown on that next week, so make sure you listen to my podcast on how to bring the fun into how to help your type one children, how to motivate them to do chores. He is 11 years old. So I'd get to the bottom of this and say, why don't you think they're fun? Why is this not fun for you? What about it isn't fun? Because how can you then take what he's seeing as not fun and then ask him to come up with how would that be fun? You want to source him for that. So first start having a conversation and why would he take an entire quarter and not and not come to you. I'd be a little more concerned that he didn't come to you and say, I'm not having fun with my math, so I'm not turning it in. Why isn't he talking to you about this? Why doesn't he feel that at 11 years old, he can't come to you and say, I don't want to do my homework. The bigger issue here is the communication, I think, rather than him not doing your homework. An entire quarter went by. You had to hear it. And why would a teacher wait until the end of the quarter to let you know? I would think after three assignments, they get in touch with you. See, I'm a little concerned about the teacher's communication here. And I'm a little concerned that you weren't aware that why weren't you seeing, you know, obviously you're not tuned into his homework. You just assumed everything was going fine. And so I think you need to step back and look at, um, as a type one mom, I think you disconnected a little too much from this child's experience and you need to show more investment and support this child because if an entire quarter went by and you didn't even know he wasn't doing his homework, there's no praise given for, you know, he obviously wasn't getting, wow, you know, show me your, 
part of what children get value from is they show you their homework when it's uh, uh, graded and they show you it, the teacher saying, they bring it to you and say, look, I got the score. I'm so excited. And the parent says, that's so great. I love that you're doing so well with your math. An entire quarter went by that you didn't even have, you didn't even ask to see his homework. You know, you got, you know, your type one energy, you disconnect from things. My opinion is that you got too disconnected from this child's homework. Because were you, you know, wouldn't you want to praise this child for a job well done on something that's consistently a part of their life experience, like homework? Look for consistent consistent activities that your children are engaged in that you can give praise to. Homework is one of them. That's a, I don't even have that in my notes for next week, and that's a good one. That should go with today with chores. Are you praising your children's job well done on that chore? Even if they are still learning the protocols of cleaning a toilet, and maybe that wasn't quite as clean as you wanted it? Did you praise them first? Did you say, I love that you even cleaned a messy toilet. I'm grateful we have that toilet. Look at what a good job you did. Let's, let me help you. Um, we have a, um, this will help you as a parent with the whole chore thing. We do this in our company and we have our managers meet with their team one-on-one -on -one, and every month they give feedback and that feedback includes praise on a job well done, and then feedback on what you could improve. Now, you could do this on a monthly basis with your children. You could sit down with them and take a few minutes, and they come prepared. Child, child one, child A, I want you to come. We're going to meet. We're going to talk about your chores, your homework, and the stuff, the tasks, the tasks you do on a regular basis. And I want you to come prepared to share with mom and dad what you are succeeding in, job well done, what are you noticing that you're doing really well, and I want you to also come with what can you improve, what needs improvement. Now, both the parents share that, the parents share, this is what I'm seeing you doing really well, we want to praise you, you're doing a great job with that, and they share this is what we could see some improvement with. The child shares the same thing. It'd be interesting to see if you're seeing the same things, and you work on how can that improvement be made. What do you need more support with? How can we help you succeed with that too? How can we now create that the next time we chat next month, you're gonna, we're going to be saying, wow, we've seen a lot of improvement with that. We want to acknowledge that and praise you for that. Great job. I also have another tip for parents. Um, I have a video where I share a system that we used when I was actively raising my children called a chore board. It took the necessary function of me having to tell everybody what to do. It's a common practice to use charts or boards in the system that allows it to dictate what everybody's chores are. You can, um, we'll put a link to that video in the copy on the post that goes live on the Child Whisper blog that you can check out that video as well because it's a very, it was a very successful method for us to um, just make chores just kids knew what our children knew was their chore was for the week, what was expected of them, and the chore board dictated that. So you've got some really good tips to how to take the struggle out of chores in today's podcast. Let's go to my phone lines. I have my first caller, who's my winner today, Karen. <laughs> Hello. Hi, you've won the Hi. Tapping, the tapping <laughs> Summit Multimedia Kit. Are you a tapping fan? 
I have uh, tried to do that myself once, so I'm very excited. Um, I'm excited to win anything, but I'm very excited to try that. <laughs> I'm pretty excited. So we'll ship that off to you. If you can email parenting at liveyourtreat.com with your name and shipping address, I'll make sure my shipping manager has this and we'll get this off to you. You'll learn a lot. There's some great content, some really great teachers, and it's a great program. Thank you. So Thank you so much. You're welcome. You have a you're ta- you're calling from the perspective of an aunt today with a nephew that's six and a half years old. Yes, that's recently been diagnosed with ADHD. What's your right. goal with this child? I'm curious why you're you're asking the question because you're obviously right. not parenting the child. That's right. I do um, kind of babysit him regularly, and I'm okay. kind of one of his kind of secondary caregivers. His parents uh, travel a lot for work, and, you know, I live nearby, and I see him a lot. We're a very tight family, and partly I'm calling because my, his parents don't haven't really read any of your stuff, whereas I've read The Child Whisperer. I've read, like, you know, Discovering Your Beauty Profile and all that jazz, and so I'm trying to use that for me to get along better with him when I'm with him. Are the parents asking now? Uh, I've talked to the parents a little bit about, they're not on the phone. Is that, I'm sorry, is that what you said? No, no, no. Are they, are they asking for support? Are they wanting to see this differently? Yes. Although I don't necessarily know that they are on board with reading, you know, all of the stuff from your perspective. They've read some other stuff, right? Um, they're not as kind of spiritually minded as we are. Although I wouldn't say the Child Whisper <laughs> book is so spiritually oriented. I don't know. I think it's an easy, easy parenting book to to read. And and I would first just give them a book. I wouldn't even reference it about the specific because people start parents unless they're asking. I wouldn't approach a parent with, oh, whoa, you know. Don't let that diagnose, you know, it's like you're getting a little too, per, you know, it's like nobody asked you. Don't tell me how to deal with my child's ADHD. Well, that's right. Well, that's why I but haven't kind of given them that. I right. Would, I would, I've I just tried to do it. To I give right. it to them and just say, I really like this book. You, if they're reading parenting books, it's a good, it's a best-selling parenting book. So there's no harm in that. Just don't start talking to them specifically about let them come to that on their own. No, exactly. And I've presented them with the notion that I've read this book and I find it great. Really, I'm more calling for myself not to kind of give them this information unless they yeah, so yours um, is going to be yours is going to be short lived. Your effect. You see, my, oh, my effect. Your, yeah. Yeah. It's not going to have a base influence. It's a side right. influence. That's the best it can do. And I don't, I, I'm curious why you just wouldn't share a book. I am curious about that. Uh, well, I've Without offered any, to have them thing. give the book. Well, no, you just give it to them as a gift. Yeah. I love this book. I thought you might like it. Right. Well, but I will definitely try that. You see what I'm saying? You don't give yeah. it with an expectation. You don't give it with, you better learn this. You don't give it with. Right. And that's what keeps people from sharing. They have an expectation and they're afraid that they'll get rejected because they've attached an expectation that I really want you to read this book. I want you to know your child has type one energy and I really want you to understand what ADHD really means. Well, if you just get rid of all that and say, Hey, it's a cool book. Right. No, that's very good. You you know, but you have all those expectations. You build this fear of those. They may reject it. And now that child's screwed for life, you know, and it's like, just give them the book. And if they choose to do something with it, you know, you got to trust the soul's journey too. You see, it's like right. 
their path is perfectly designed for whatever lessons and this child's going to te- be a teacher for them. So I would just at this point for you to, you have enough understanding on your own. You do. You're in the loop here. So just follow your promptings. Understand when you're guided in your own ex- relationship with this child. But I think the the bigger opportunity is to just share the book free of any expectation and don't build it up. Just say, hey, this is a cool book. I just felt prompted to share it with you. Job done. Right. Well, I'll definitely do that. I guess I'm wondering if I could still get some clarification for you think, though, it's not good to get clarification on my interactions with him? Well, if you have enough information, I don't think, I'm not sensing that you need any. I think what you um, know is sufficient. I feel very confused, but maybe that's my type oneness coming out where I can see all of the different possibilities because I can't even decide which type he is. Well, I would go to um, my if, if you've read the book and you need more profile support, um, you know, obviously in my dressing your truth world is where we house the most profiling resources. Those are geared towards adults, but on the child whisperer website, if you go to book resources, you'll find a link. As you click on that, you'll be led to a pop-up that just says um, how to profile babies, children, and teens. And I have 26 videos there where I'm interviewing parents and their children that gives you more insight to the profiling of children. I'm actually teaching you the application of how to profile a child with real people. So I'd go there and study those. Tried a lot of those already, but I will go back. I think it'll kind of, I mean, I just, I think, yeah, that's the, where type one humans get stuck in the profiling processes you avoid you you aren't gearing focusing on the obvious and the most um, concrete things you make a lot of secondary things strong possibilities that shouldn't be right I think that's so, true yeah you gotta stop doing that you just gotta say you know that doesn't make them this type <laughs> you, yeah not all expressions have equal weight in the assessment world well, that's, make exa- that's exactly equal. what I was going to ask. Like, which do I give more weight to? His kind of like Features and body language, energy. Yes. Or that Expression. he's also though very independent. It doesn't matter. See, you're putting, bringing in too many. You're complicating this. You're making okay. it complicated. The things that you always want to give the most weight to: body language, facial features. Um, you want to give weight to their expressions. A type one child is always going to be more animated, bright-eyed, bounce. The body movement is always going to be just more of a um, bounce. Type four children have a more serious, poised manner in how they move through life, a very focused ability. Every child can have fun. Every child can be playful, but how they do that is very true to their type. And so um, I always say, Ask God to show it to you on a silver platter. But when he does, trust it rather than make the next thing the next possibility. I see this over, it seems to be presenting itself in my world a lot through what I'm seeing on Facebook interactions, what I'm seeing type one people jump around in the profiling world to their disadvantage, that you're, you're making it more complicated than the obvious. Energy profiling is obvious. I'm just the reason I'm really good at it that maybe others aren't. I note what the most obvious expressions are that I say pretty much every type one human being I've met does that pretty much every type two human being does. you know, you meet enough people 
and you start to see that common theme, I say, there it is, there it is. So getting really good at knowing what are the most obvious universal expressions that the high percentage of each type do. Their facial features are those, their body language, their words they use, facial expressions. Those are all very strong things to use for assessments. My lines are still open. Um, press one on your phone if you have a question for me today. Um, I'd love to help you out. My next email question comes from a type four mom. She writes, are there certain careers that suit different types? Specifically, my type one 15-year-old isn't sure what he wants to do with his life. How do I help direct him towards something he would both enjoy and be good at? You know, with a type one, again, if you're a type four mom, you're going to say career choice, long path, you know, you'd pick a career for life. I've interviewed Marcy, my type one dressing your truth expert on this in different videos. This conversation has come up. She's had three major career paths, major. They weren't incidental. They weren't part-time jobs. Two that I recall, I can't remember the third, but the two were a parole officer, which she did for numerous years. And then in her 40s, she decided to go back to school and get her master's degree in cinematography and become a filmmaker. Not at all related. She could probably tell me how they're related. The, one of her gifts is she's um, actually well-known in the documentary filmmaking world. And a lot of how she produces documentaries, they're about people historically or people that are well-known. She interviews people. She does a lot of interviewing. So the one thing they had in common, those two careers, is she was, she was connecting with people, new people, a lot of different people. So she would say, yeah, aren't they the same? And so this is different. See, what's the career path? If you're approaching this with this lifelong career path, that's going to be overwhelming to a type 1 15-year-old. What feels correct now in your life path? There's a chance that may switch or lead to something else because you're going to, to find an, that path will lead to another path to another path. What's the correct path as you now move towards college? And does he need to know at age 15 what his life career is? You know, he needs to be starting. What do you want to study in college? I have children that have degrees that aren't even using them in their job, in their careers. You know, my daughter, Anne, who's my daughter, has a degree in, uh, she graduated with a major in international studies with a minor in French. She speaks three languages, English, French, and Bulgarian. She works for me. She is a, my con, you know, she has multiple roles she plays here, but she's not directly using her degree. My son has a degree in history. He's my analytics and traffic and conversion specialist on our team. Uh, my son-in-law has a degree in philosophy. He's my CEO. See, so College doesn't always have to look like um, you're going to be going into the job market with that. My children all knew they wanted to be entrepreneurs. I was very clear to them. They picked degrees that would establish some great learning opportunities. They wanted their college degrees. My one daughter who has a degree in vocal performance is the one that's following more of a kind of a, her, it's more of an interest hobby pursuit. She is a full-time mom but she definitely has the benefit of that degree having full application into pursuits that she's enjoying as a full-time mom. She does have a lot of avenues to use that, that learning and, and to use her talent that way. 
So hope that helped you. Uh, kind of pull it back so your type one child doesn't have to make a, a, a life choice for the rest of his life. Rachel's on the line. Hi, Rachel. You're hi. Glad to have you. You're a type two mom from my notes. Yes. You have a type three six year old. You oh, you have a success story. I love it. I do. I can't wait. <laughs> I'm so excited to hear it. Go ahead. Um. Okay. So. I'm tied too. I'm trying not to get caught up in the details, but, um, um, anyway, we recently moved to Texas, which is a whole other remembering wholeness success story in and of itself. Thank you. Um, Yeah. We had a big career change and I did a lot of energy work with your book and it was amazing. So anyway, um, but since we got here, my six-year-old has just like, I don't know. She's always been my hardest child and kind of like, and I always thought she was a type two. I don't know if it's because I wanted her to be a type, probably because I wanted her to be a type two like me. Yeah. Um, and I know she, type two parents, type two mommies sometimes get a little nervous about having a type three child. Yeah. Believe me, we're yeah. easy. <laughs> we're easy if you just get behind us. <laughs> I know. And I was terrified. And so I just was like, I, I knew she was like a two, three. I didn't even want her to be a two, three, but <laughs> Okay. So I had been treating her like a two for the past two and a half or so years since I've been doing this. And um, we moved here to Texas and I don't know, she just like blossomed and like calmed down. Our relationship got better. She was happy and I don't know what exactly it was. Um, And I was talking to my mom and my mom was like, you know, I really, I really think she might be a type three. And I just like hit me. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so wrong. (laughs) She's totally a type three. So it just showed really clearly once. See, now I want you to, I want to talk about that just for a moment for parents that might mistype. Once you identify their correct nature, I imagine now just um, after the fact, you look back and say, how could I never have seen this? It's so obvious. It's just, you didn't want to, it was, it was your own kind of block for your own sort of misunderstandings or some of your own issues. And that comes from, again, that, previous experience with people of different types that may have been negative or difficult. We think, you know, somehow we will recreate that or experience that with our own child. But when you have this understanding, you obviously have a huge opportunity to create something very positive, which you're choosing to do. Yeah. And so anyway, just in the last couple of weeks, I've, you know, looked back at her life and recognized, you know, when she was a baby, she would nurse incredibly fast and just be done mm-hmm. and ready to go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just these little stepping stones. And she, like, cried all the time because she wanted to be held. She needed that physical. But I was like, oh, she's mm. so sensitive, you know. So I kind of. Her crying was for different reasons that you see now. Right. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, growing up, she would just do her own thing. And I'm like, oh, she just does whatever she wants. Like, this is so annoying. Mm-hmm. And now I've just been looking at it as like, okay, hey, she's going to do what she wants. So I'm going to like help her. And I'm going, you know, she came home from school the other day and was like, I want to make something. And she pulled out a recipe mm-hmm. book, started mm-hmm. flipping through. And instead of me being like, no, like, I don't have time. And I, you know, <laughs> this is too much. I was like, okay, let's do it. My mother, this is what you have to look forward to without knowing it. (laughs) My mother didn't understand all this when I was 12. But by 12, she'll be decorating your Christmas tree, cleaning Mm -hmm. your kitchen up in less than a minute. And my my parents, interestingly, I think I presented them with these variables that 
I wanted a horse. I really wanted a horse. Yeah, it's a very hands-on mm-hmm. physical thing. And I was 12 years old and my parents agreed to buy me a horse. If I agreed, it was $350, the horse that um, we found. And I agreed mm-hmm. to clean the kitchen every night for a year for a dollar to pay the horse <laughs> off. And I would time myself to see that's what kept me engaged. I'd put the timer on and I keep seeing if I could beat my late, you know, fastest time. So see how innate this was in me without recognizing it as a human nature quality in me. And my parent, my mom got the benefit of a lot of it because I was willing, I wanted to do these things. You know, I wanted to be actively involved in cooking and decorating and yard work. And so see, you're right. Your child will be an asset to you. <laughs> yeah, she, the other day we asked her to clean the living room, and it was, like, spotless. I had, I just barely had a baby, like, two days ago. Oh, so I good. Was, anyway, very pregnant, and she just cleaned the whole living room, and I was like, I love my touch three child. <laughs> yeah, good for so you. Great. And we don't th- throw some cash rewards in there occasionally, but we love praise, too. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But yeah. money does seem to like get us going the extra mile. Yeah, we'll do the mile. We want to go the extra out. mile. Throw some money in the mix. <laughs> I know. Well, no. he pulled money out. He's like, "Do you want money or do you want like stars on your, you know, kind of chore thing?" And we just got this app. She's like, "I want stars. Like, I want to, I want to get a bunch of stars." Yeah, see, that, like, that's okay. a, that's cool. <laughs> These apps are great that they're coming out with. You know, there's one that yeah. Ann uses with my daughter, my granddaughter, who's a tech Katie. There's some timing app, like you have to do it before some noise goes off. And that that kept her engaged in a lot of different, like getting ready for bed, doing the next Mm -hmm. kind of task at hand. Okay, see if you can beat this timer. And she'd have to come and, you know, push the button on the phone before it went off. I'll have to ask Anne what that app is. So, um because I saw that worked really well for a type three child, a lot of, a lot of different types kid, but especially type three. But thanks yeah. for your success story today. I'm You're grateful awesome. that you see that as a favorable energy in your child now. It's really cool. And congratulations on your new baby. My next caller, Hillary, is a type one mom. Hi, Hillary. Hi, you've got a six-year-old and a 16-year-old. They're both type ones? Yep. And they're only doing their chores halfway. Right. So I just wondered what you recommend for that. Oh, hey, it's Hillary. I just recognized your voice. This is pulling <laughs> curls, Hillary. Hi. Right. I, I obviously have a lot of parenting issues. Now, you, you're too good at this. Is Again, we every time I talk to you, I have to give you this feedback. Stop putting yourself down. Thank you. <laughs> every parent has challenges. It's just the name of the game. You know, next week I'm going to cover how to um, motivate the type 1 child. I'd say right now is there's something they've learned from you that it's acceptable to just do things halfway. Mm, so, probably that I just haven't been on top of them enough to notice yeah, them only halfway So later. Yeah, yeah, like it's okay. Like we, this option's available to us. And that there's things you probably, it, I get real clear on which are the follow-through items. Like, don't start with all of them. Pick one and say, really, we're going to teach follow-through here, and I'm going to stay on this one. Don't do it with the whole, the whole group. Just pick one thing, because the point in this is to teach follow-through, because as you know, in the type 1 world, follow-through because of distractions, because distractions come right. up, and it's easy to drop the ball and not follow through. 
So what is it that's most, you know, again, you're going to have that as part of your experience. So you want to be selective in making sure certain that the, the act to follow through is learned. It's available. It's, um, it's, it's really developed as a, um, it's behavioral training that allows them to be successful with follow through so that they can choose to apply that in the most important things in life. And so what are the chores that that would pre present that opportunity for and, okay. and start to teach the follow through aspect to this rather make that the focus rather than the chore. It's the behavioral okay. training. My children, this will be an asset to them to know that they have this tendency to drop the ball, but they're going to want to know how to follow through because there's a lot of things in life they're going to want to employ that towards and really be, that will create success. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. Thanks for calling in. My next caller, Alicia, also a type one mom. Hi, Alicia. Hi, Carol. You have an okay. eight-year-old type one child. I do. I do. Okay. And crazily, I've just discovered we both have a secondary of type four, which this will make sense. My question. <laughs> um, we're both, I'm realizing, I think his timeline is mine that I'm healing. Like I think that's I'm really healing my eight-year-old. Yeah, I bet you oh. are. That's, that's really oh. uh, Side note, side benefit, or if not the first benefit of learning um, how to be a child whisperer, that as you parent the child that's the same type as you, as you parent them differently, you heal your child, your own inner child. Mm. So for you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. So I guess to give you a picture of my kind of generational stuff or family background, it's just the, the whole not enough, perfectionism, fear of failure. I wouldn't even... Yeah. Allow Have you seen allow the video we it. just put up on the Dressing Your Truth website where I um, interview Jalea, who's a 1-4, and Callista, who's a 4-1? Have you seen that video? That's exactly how that changed my life. I was like, holy cow, I'm a 1-4. Holy cow. Okay, like, well, you really, I think all I need to tell you is you have enough information. You just need to now okay. um, become aware and start to practice those awarenesses and different choices and catch yourself when you're doing it. And, okay. and let your child know you both have this tendency and you're going to work. How can you make it fun to work on it together? Because mm, if you okay. know, so you're social in nature. So if you're both supporting each other, there's a social aspect to that. You'll just be more fun because you're both saying, how are we doing? You know, oh, I love how, oh, good catch. Oh, there that is again. Mm. You know, mm. how you support each other and, and let her even be your feedback system to just say, mom, you're doing that. Give it a funny name or something, you know, like, okay. You know how type ones make up words like perfection. Oh yeah. We're getting squonky or something. We're getting <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> your mom, okay. you're getting, what was the word you use? <laughs> squonky. <laughs> yeah, mom, you're getting squonky. Oh, good catch. <laughs> see, it's just a habit. Okay. And that okay. way you'll just be able to develop a new response. It's a habitual response based on how you were parented yourself. You repeated it in your own parenting. Now you're going to switch that and, and be able to employ it as a secondary benefit, not a quality that overrides your true nature. Really what mm. a secondary energy should be an asset rather than the primary operating system. Oh, absolutely. Thank you, Carol. Thank you You're so much. You're welcome. 
Thanks for calling in. And thanks to all my callers today. Thanks for tuning in. Um, There's some more great podcasts. Just rich in the archives. You can subscribe at iTunes.com forward slash Carol Tuttle. Uh, Wonderful announcement that we've launched a new Dressing Your Truth website with a lot of public content on there to enjoy, to continue to learn about energy profiling, some insights and a lot of information about Dressing Your Truth. Of course, getting the course is your platform to start on the foundation of dressing your truth is going through the dressing your truth course you can access that through dressingyourtruth.com and then the blog post is up are you making motherhood harder than it needs to be yes probably and you don't even know that you are because of what i teach you you're going to learn how to release the hard i'm all about letting go of hard letting go of struggle we're at a we're at a time on this planet that we can experience ease and joy and affluence to the fullest that God is blessing us with. We're canceling it out. Struggle and pain are very much man-made. We've we've spiritualized them to be this asset when really it's just an interference now. So thanks, everyone. Appreciate you tuning in today. I'll talk to you next. Well, I'll be be live again in two weeks. Enjoy. um, Have a great week with your amazing family. You're doing a great job. As a teacher, healer, speaker, best-selling author of The Child Whisperer, and mother of five children, Carol Tuttle is honored to help you take the power struggle out of parenting and better understand the children in your life. If you'd like Carol to answer your question, call in next time or email your question to parenting at liveyourtruth.com. Carol invites you to learn more about the four types of children at thechildwhisperer.com and connect with her at thecarolblog.com. If you haven't read The Child Whisperer yet, get your copy through the Child Whisperer website and enjoy happier, more successful, more cooperative children.